Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, everyone loves a good spooky story. So with the lights turned low and a touch of fright, here are some stories that go bump in the night. There's no need to be frightened. It's only a story. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Frightened. I'm your host, Melinda, and tonight, once again, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Rex and Buster. So while you may hear some jingles and clicks in the background, not to worry, it's no ghost, just a couple of puppy dogs. Tonight, we're going to switch things up a little bit, and I'm going to be reading some stories that were submitted to Jezebel.com. So sit back, pull the covers up tight, and prepare to be frightened. Untitled by Mr. Hughes is Bad. My parents thought that they were just going to have one child, me. My mom had my brother this summer before I started fourth grade. I was relatively okay with this. My mom had a C-section and her mom came to stay because my baby brother was freaking huge and my dad had to get back to work. People were very generous and lots of gifts were sent to the hospital. One gift included a helium balloon with a rainbow on it. The first sign of trouble was when I woke up and the balloon was in my room with me. This was odd since I slept with my door closed, but I figured it must have gotten in before I shut my door or my grandmother opened my door to check in on me or something. The next day, the balloon was floating over my brother's crib. The third day, I was in the shower washing my hair with the bathroom door closed and the shower curtain also closed when I turned from the faucet and the balloon was in the shower with me. My screams woke the baby. My mother was furious with me. She locked the balloon in a closet. That night, she woke up and the balloon was over her. When she woke up in the morning, the balloon was still in the closet. That morning, my grandmother went outside with me so I could swim. We had a small deck off of an enclosed porch and then the stairs leading down to the pool. I was standing on the diving board facing the porch when I saw the porch door, screen door so it opened out instead of in, open. I thought it was my mom coming out. It was the balloon. It turned on the deck so the rainbow was facing me. Then it started walking down the stairs like a human. The balloon didn't just float from the deck into the yard like a balloon. It went down each step like a person or animal climbed stairs. I was screaming from the point the balloon came out instead of my mom. My grandmother joined the chorus. The screen door opened again. This time, my mom ran out with scissors. She had been standing in the kitchen looking at my grandmother and I through the window and saw the screen door open and the balloon go out. She chased the balloon down and as she stabbed it, over and over and over, that balloon screamed. A little backstory. My mom's brother completed suicide a couple of years prior to this. Oddly, my brother and I favor him to an insane degree. Not only do we physically resemble him far more than we do our actual parents, but we apparently have his mannerisms, gestures, and patterns of speech, although I spent very little time with him as a small child and my brother was born after his death. More backstory. He killed himself in a work truck. My family decided to have the work truck crushed. The work truck did not agree. First, it refused to crank. Then, it almost killed someone as it was loaded onto the flatbed tow truck. Then, as it was loaded onto the crusher, it cranked and almost ran over someone else. My other uncle also reported seeing a weird creature standing on his staircase, 
staring at him silently for a couple of years after his brother died. That's mostly the end, except my brother has had a lifelong fear of balloons. Oh, and that my daughter was born on the anniversary of my uncle's death. And one day, when she was a preschooler, we got a cat. She turned to me, smiled, and said, I'm going to name it Rainbow. You need to know that the rainbow was never going to hurt you. This next story is Untitled by KCE. I got into a fight with my boyfriend one night. For some reason, we left my apartment to go to his new place where we were both moving into, even though there wasn't any furniture in it. We argued and then decided we should go back to my place so we could sleep in a bed. We were gone for about two hours, maybe from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. When we walked into the bedroom, I was still upset, so I guess I was distracted and didn't notice anything amiss. My boyfriend said, someone came in here while we were gone and grabbed me and kind of pushed me behind him while he looked around nervously. I said, why do you say that? He pointed over to my window and told me to look at the AC window unit. He said it didn't look right, that it sort of looked like someone had tampered with it and stuck it back in. I thought he was imagining things. Nothing valuable was taken. I had a safe in my closet that was untouched. He kept pointing out other things he thought had been moved around slightly. He said a couple of things were definitely gone, a pack of gum and a bag of candy, and some bras I had hanging up on the closet door. But my bedroom was a major pigsty at the time. If anything could represent depression physically, it was my bedroom. I had piles of dirty clothes, piles of clean clothes, piles of crap everywhere. And I was zoning out a lot due to the depression and not really retaining information that well. I really couldn't remember if I had any bras hanging there or not. And I couldn't just look in my dresser for them because I'm a slob and they could be anywhere. And he really didn't remember specifically what they looked like, just that they had been hanging there. I couldn't remember where the pack of gum was or wasn't sitting. There really wasn't anything to report to the police. They didn't even come out to the apartment. I kind of thought he was losing his marbles and told him as much. He assured me he was 100% sure someone had come in and insisted on taking the next few days until we moved off of work to stay home with me while we packed because he didn't want me there alone. The morning after the break-in, I called my landlord and asked him to review the security footage. He said he couldn't see anyone or anything on it. I asked my boyfriend again if he was sure he wasn't imagining things. He took me outside to the outside of my window and showed me in the grass how it was all smushed down like someone had been standing on it and maybe put something heavy on it. Okay, that's weird. Maybe someone did break in, but why? Why would someone come in? I didn't live in a nice area. Anyone I knew in the area knows I don't have any money. Nothing was really in the safe and nobody knew I even had it. Anyway, we pack and pack for the move. While we were packing, I actually opened my dresser for the first time in a while to pack any of the clothes not on the floor. I found a piece of notebook paper folded up that definitely was ripped out of a notebook I had in the room. I unfolded it. Written in colored pencil, probably one of mine, it said, I thought when I heard the music start, he left by himself, with a weird, creepy, sad face emoji thing sketched next to it. My boyfriend, now fiancé, likes to blast his music when he goes to and from work. 
He installed extra speaker crap to be able to blast it obnoxiously loud like he's 14, but he doesn't ever do that with me in the car because he knows I can't stand it. That night, he turned the music up really loud when we got in the car because we were fighting. Why was there nothing visible on the security camera? Was he right that someone stole my gum? I don't know, but we never spent another night there anyways, because my clothes and bed were the last thing I packed. Our third story tonight is called The Noid by C. Bassey. I waited until daytime to write this story down because it scares me so much. My first memories from my childhood are my mother sitting on the edge of my bed, telling me stories about her dead father's ghost visiting her as a child. She would recount this soothingly, like I had a guardian angel grandfather watching over me. I was probably three years old at this time because it was before my sister was born so it was just my parents and me in our small house on the outskirts of our small town. There was a field on the left of our house, which would later be built on, another house with old people to the right, and a cornfield behind us with a barbed wire fence separating it from our property. My next clearest childhood memories from that same time are recurring nightmares I had every night from ages three to eight. In these nightmares, I would be walking down our street toward our house, holding hands with both of my parents. Dad would drop my hand and run toward our house in a panic and go inside. Mom would grip my hand tightly and start looking around alarmed, and I could hear her heart beating faster and faster. We would keep walking with our house inside up ahead, and I would try to ask my mom if we could walk faster because I was scared. She would stare straight ahead, still gripping my hand with her heartbeat audible and say nothing. We would come up to the end of our driveway and our old man neighbor would be outside in his yard. He'd wave at us and release this creepy smile, like someone trying to look normal, but who had evil intentions. In that moment, my mom would drop my hand and scream, run, then drop to her knees in the road, cover her head with her hands and start wailing. I would take off running up our driveway as fast as I could, but my legs would feel like I was running through the mud. The neighbor would start running toward me from his yard, and I knew I had to get inside before he got to me. We never locked our front door when we were home, so I would always be frantic when I got to our door and it was locked. I'd bang on it, begging my dad to let me in, and time would move slowly as I watched him check who was outside from the living room window, then eventually unlock and open the door. Throughout all of this, my mom was wailing the most terrible noise from the street. Right as I was about to lunge to safety inside, the neighbor would be right behind me and would morph into the gremlin from the 80s Domino's commercials. In an attempt to prevent it from attacking me, I would pull a blanket over myself and it would make this creepy squeaking sound and poke at me wildly through the blanket, almost like birds frantically pecking at the bird seat on the ground. Right as I knew the gremlin was going to get through the blanket, I would wake up. I had this dream every night for several years, and every night my dad would take too long to open the door and the gremlin would get me. Eventually, I could foresee what was going to happen in the dream, that my dad would run ahead and lock the door, and that the neighbor was an evil gremlin in disguise, that my mom wouldn't move fast enough to get us to safety, and I would try to do more in my dream to save in myself. One night during the nightmare, I finally made it inside the house, locked the door behind me, and watched the gremlin violently scramble up and down the door trying to get in. 
It was so mad, and I could tell I'd made some sort of mistake by locking it out of the house. I woke up just as scared as ever, but stopped having the dreams after that and didn't really think about them again as I grew older. Flash forward to 1995, and I just finished 7th grade, 12 years old. My parents are at an event, my younger sister is sleeping over at a friend's house, and I'm getting dropped off after a summer community dance. I won't be home alone for very long, because my parents' event is supposed to be over soon. It's about 9 p.m., there is still a tiny crest of light on the horizon, enough to see with, and my mom's friend pulls to the end of our driveway and lets me out. I wave goodbye, and she drives away. As I make my way up our driveway, I notice the empty lot next to our house has been altered. There are big piles of dirt and a tractor parked next to a big hole. I figured they must be getting ready to build on it. I keep walking, and I see a figure in the lot pacing around with its back to me, like it was examining the property. I tried to pick up my pace toward the door, but as my footsteps crunched on the gravel driveway, the figure must have heard me. It turned around, and it was a man in a dark-colored jumpsuit, like something a mechanic might wear. He raised his eyebrows like he was surprised to see me, and then extended his arm like he was going to wave. In that exact moment, with the angle of his arm and the smile that was starting on his face, I knew. It was the evil entity from my childhood nightmares. I booked it to the house like I had practiced for so many years in those dreams, unlocked the door, dove inside, and as I went to shut the door from my position on the floor, the guy was right there on the front step with the saddest look on his face. To this day, I can still see that look of sorrow and betrayal as I slammed the door on him. I locked it and then scurried into my parents' room, the only one in the house with a locking door, and waited in terror for them to get home. When my parents got home and found me freaking out in their bedroom, I couldn't get the words out about what happened. I tried to explain my childhood nightmares and how I'd practiced this for years to save myself from an evil entity posing as a neighbor, but now I was confused because when the man got to the door, he didn't seem evil. He seemed sad, and I felt guilty for running away from him. My dad asked my mom if this outburst was hormones because of my age. My mom left the room and came back with a photo. She said the description of the man in the jumpsuit sounded like her dead father. She had never shared with me how he died or what he looked like and wanted to show me his photo. He was a helicopter pilot killed in Vietnam, and as I looked at the image, I felt a sadness, but it was not the man who just chased me into the house an hour before. My parents switched bedrooms with me for the rest of the summer so I could sleep with the locking door, and eventually the fear faded away and I had an otherwise normal adolescence with the occasional non-recurring nightmare. The further I got from that scary night, the more I questioned if it actually happened or if I'd imagined it. Last year, Friday, April 13th, 2018, I was perusing NPR, waiting for the week to end. A short interview came up and my heart dropped. The header image was of that creepy Domino's pizza gremlin of my childhood nightmares, and the story was about the rise and fall of the Noid. The Noid, apparently, was the name of this gremlin character. I did not know this. I listened to the story and learned that a real man with the last name Noid held up a Domino's by gunpoint in 1989 because he had mental health issues and felt the Avoid the Noid ad campaign targeted him directly. He later committed suicide in 1995, the same year I was chased into my home by a stranger. I started hyperventilating and called my mom to tell her about the radio story. I played it to her over the phone. She asked, well, was it him? But NPR did not include his photo, so I had to Google it. 
My computer screen lit up with images of the man's face and I completely lost it. It was him. Everything I could find on him did not include his day of death, only the year. So I'm not sure if I saw his spirit after he died or was picking up on his mental anguish leading up to his death. Either way, I booked myself a therapist to work through this because I still cannot believe it all happened. My mom thinks that I was attuned in the same way she was as a child with her dead dad and that my children someday will be too. Our fourth and final story is Does She Know? Does She Know? by Little Capper. It was a few weeks before Halloween and I'd already decorated my house for the holiday. I realized that there were a couple of decorations in the shed in my backyard that I needed, so I decided to go get them. It was nine o'clock in the evening and it was raining. I live in the suburbs against the hills, so it gets really dark at night. I'm rummaging around in the shed. There's no light in the shed, so I have a flashlight. And I start to hear murmuring. Bear in mind, it's evening, it's dark, and it's raining. Nobody should be in their backyards at that time. I stop moving around in the shed to listen to the voices, and once I stop moving, they also stop. I pause a few seconds, then start moving around in the shed. As soon as I start moving around again, the voices start back up. I walk to the shed door and stick my head out. Hello? Silence. The only sound is the rain dripping off the roof. I pause and I listen. I don't hear the neighbors in the yards, and all of their porch lights are off. Everyone appears to be in bed because the lights are also off in all the houses around me. Suddenly, I hear several voices say, Does she know? Does she know? Does she know? They're saying it quietly and so fast, over and over. Does she know? Does she know? Does she know? I said, Who's there? And the voices immediately stop. I'm spooked, so I quickly shut the shed door and practically run back inside the house. Later that evening... My son's alarm clock goes off at midnight and 2 a.m. Nobody set the alarm. When we woke up the next morning, all of the picture frames in the house were crooked. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate and subscribe, like us on Facebook, and send us all of your spooky stories at frightenedpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, while today's story may have been spooky, there's no need to be frightened. It's only a story.